Well, we want to welcome everyone to Murrayville Baptist Church. If you'll all stand to open up our service. How many of you glad that you're in the house of God this morning? Say amen. 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 Good to see all of you. I'm going to ask Brother Warren Vickers, if he will, to come and open us in prayer. How we need the Lord to move through our midst and manifest himself to us. So, Brother Warren, you come. Let's pray. Father, we sure do love you this morning. Thank you for being so good to us. Thank you for a good Sunday school message this morning. Thank you for the messenger. Yeah, but, Father, we're pray here at the uh, worship hour. Father, we pray that you didn't dwell this building, Father. And, Lord, just help us put the world to the side for a few moments. And, Lord, focus on your word. Focus on you. And, uh, Lord, we pray you'd be with the singing, be with the musicians. And, Father, we pray you'd be with our pastor. Lord, as he brings a message to us, Lord, just give him what he studied. And, Lord, uh, just help us open up our hearts and minds that we can receive it. Lord, we sure do love you. Thank you for being so good to us. Thank you for loving us. And we ask all these favors in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Remain standing. Good to be in God's house this morning. Page 116.
you have any offers, go ahead and bring it down at this time. This is Wyatt. If nobody knows, that's Wyatt. Oh, I love that little boy. Well, if you're glad to be here, say amen. 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 Good to see all of you. I do have a few announcements that I need to run over with you. Uh, today, after morning service, be having youth choir practice. So all the youthies, please stay around and, and uh, uh, get Miss Janet. And she'll go through some things with you. Also, also the kids' kids' church starts back this coming Wednesday, which means guess what? Sue's Miss Sue's kitchen is opening back up. Yeah, amen. And so that'll be Wednesday night, feeding starting at six o'clock. So you come and be with us at six, and we'll feed everybody that comes, and and also then kids' church and then Bible study here in the sanctuary at seven um brother mike would love to meet with all the kids church workers right after the morning service over in the fellowship hall so remember that and uh i do want to say this uh i'm excited about the new church here we just had conference this past wednesday and had every vacancy that there weren't many but those that were vacant they they've been filled now and uh, so that that means we're going to start with a full load this coming new year. It begins the first Sunday of September. And we're going to be starting a, a couple of new things. We're going to be having a what we call next generation Sunday school class. Dr. Josh Jackson will be teaching that. And then they'll be rotating that between him and some other men in that class. And it's for ages... 20 through 45. So we want to encourage you to come. If you're in that age group, uh, they're going to be meeting upstairs and uh, be going through. We've already ordered some materials for that. And y'all going to be covering some great things, uh, dealing with unity and things like that in this first lesson or first uh, series of lessons. So plan on coming and being with us uh, on the first Sunday or this coming Sunday, really, of, of uh, next Sunday for Sunday school at 945. But then the first Sunday of next month, we will be starting this new class. And that is for anyone, not just the married people, but anyone of the age group, 20 through 45. And uh, looking forward to that.
sing that second stanza again I'm so thankful you know this Christian life that we live some people believe that once you get saved you'll have no more troubles that's a fairy tale that's not real life real life is experiencing God even in your troubles and storms and God gets so good and so big in all of our lives at times, it just feels like we've got everything in the grip of our hands. We've got, we're holding everything. We're living the dream. And then out of nowhere, we feel that dr those dreams just start sifting through our fingers and like they just vanish. But God is still there. Woo! God is still there. Thank God He never leaves us nor forsakes us. And I promise you this, through everything that any of us face, He's at work. He's not lazy. He's not seated in the heavens with His arms crossed. He's not taking Maylocks. He's not a nervous wreck. He's busy to make all things work together for the good them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. Aren't you glad that God is God? And I know He's there. I know He's there. You sing that second one again.
somebody might need to say something this morning. go through something like Brother Barry went through, you want to make sure that anchor's holding. <laughs> you can feel that tug, that anchor line from another world, and it don't go down. This anchor line goes up. <laughs> you can feel that tug. Whew. Glory. Anybody else this morning? While oh, God's working. Yes. Yep. Isaiah fifty seven this morning, Isaiah fifty seven. Isaiah chapter 57, when you find that passage of scripture, if you'll stand to honor the reading of God's word. Isaiah 57. I wish I had time to read the entire chapter, but I'll come back and highlight some things. But I want to read just one verse of scripture out of this chapter. We're going to be looking at the verse numbered 15. And... Uh, Isaiah 57, verse 15. You want, to, you want to remember this verse. You want to memorize this verse and stick it in your spirit because there will be days in the future, maybe even days right now, that you'll need this verse of Scripture. 
Isaiah 57, verse number 15. And I do pray that, that through the preaching portion of this that I'll get some amens. Uh, we'll be preaching on some things that are hit home to all of us. And I pray that God will do a work in all of our hearts and that we'll leave different than what we came in. And many of you agree we need God in this hour. Isaiah 57 verse number 15 reads like this. It said, For thus saith the high and lofty one, the O in that one is capitalized, the lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is Holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit. Now look, this is the reason God dwells with us. To revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Lest I, lest I just don't work it in, I want to define the word contrite for you. That's just part of Bible study when you run across a word that maybe you don't understand the, the full meaning of it or what it, the, the full definition of it. You go and look it up. That's what I do. And the word contrite means crumbled. It means beat to pieces. The word contrite means crushed, smitten, and bruised. And the very one who was beaten and smitten and bruised and crushed says, I'm going to dwell with you who are like that. Oh, he humbles himself to us. He comes and dwells with us. The high and holy one. The one who inhabits eternity comes down to where we are. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, this morning as we approach this portion of text and these thoughts this morning, I pray that God, you would use them in all of our hearts and lives. And God, that truly you would revive us. God, do a work of God mightily within the body of this people. And we're thankful for what you'll do in Jesus Christ's name. And all of God's people said, amen, amen and amen. Brother Nathan sent me a, a text the other day and uh, along with a song in that text. And it was by, I believe it was by the Mark Trammell Quartet and it was entitled, We Need Revival. And before they sang the song, Brother Mark made some comments about uh, if you go on into the world and on the streets of America and was asking anybody what they thought we might need, You'd get the varied answers from different people. But then he made this comment. He said, what we need is revival. And I thought about that. That song, that thought, that sentence that Mark Trammell made just touched my heart. And I began looking at the subject of revival. And I found out some interesting things about revival in, in the Word of God and as I studied about it, I found out, number one, that revival is an action word. Revive 
is an action word. The word revival never appears in the word of God. Never. It's always because you see revival is a thing. It can be a thing. And revival is not a sign on the church board. Revival is not something that we wear. It's not a cross around our neck. It's not a slogan on a t-shirt. Revival is an action word. Revive, revive. The Bible only talks about reviving, reviving. Then I found this out. That the word revive is a, not only an action word, it is an again word. Revive. We need revival again and again and again and again. Revival is not just a one-time thing that we experience. It's something that we need to have ongoing in our lives. Have you... Have you discovered this, that you can wake up one day and just be on the mountaintop and the next day be down in the valley? Christian life just seems to go like that at times. And how we need reviving in all of our hearts and all of our lives. From this chapter, I want to point out some things to you and just say a couple of things about this chapter. Would to God that I could have read the entire thing to bring forth the thrust of it, of what God is trying to emphasize. But in verses 1 uh, and 2, he talks about the righteous perishing and no man layeth it to his heart. It said the merciful men are taken away and none considering that the righteous is taken away from the evil to come. And then talking about us walking in peace. What he's saying there is that, have you noticed that it seems like those who are truly trying to live for the Lord and make their lives count for the Lord Jesus Christ is getting fewer and fewer and fewer. It just seems like there's a dwindling of holiness and righteousness in our land today. And that's what he's talking about in those opening verses Then the Lord changes his audience, his focus, beginning in verse number 3. And he said, but draw near hither, ye sons of the sorceress, the seed of the adulterer and the whore. He talks about him, he said, against whom do ye sport yourselves? Against whom make ye a wide mouth and draw out the tongue? Are ye not children of transgression, a seed of falsehood? falsehood. He's saying you're a bunch of liars. You're living a life of lies. He said, he said, you people who have opened your mouth wide with lies, come here, I've got something I need to say to you. And then he begins addressing this group of people in verse number 11. And of whom hast thou been afraid or feared that thou hast lied and hast not Remembered me. We're living in a generation of people who have forgotten that there is a God in heaven. They've forgotten that there's a God in heaven that's watching everything that's going on down here. 
They're living like there is no accountability. That's a whole meaning behind evolution. They want to try to do away with the thought of God so there's no accountability in any of our lives. Listen, this book still says that one day we will all stand before God and give an account of our lives to Him. The Bible does say that there's a point unto men wants to die, but after this, the judgment. Once we die, we face judgment of God. And there's no fear of God in our land today. People are living without fear and living like there is no God. And that they've got eternity in front of them without the thought of God. He goes on to address, in verse number 16, he says, For I will not contend forever, neither will I be always wroth. In other words, God is not going to just keep putting up with this stuff. He's going to do something about it. He's not, going, he's not in the business of just striving with man. It's what he said in the days of Noah, my spirit shall not always strive with man. And God is being very much God in this passage of Scripture. And God is warning all of us today that God is God. And God's ways will be accomplished. In verse number 17 he says, For the iniquity of his covetousness was a wrath and smote him. Look at this. I hid me. You know how God begins judgment? He begins by backing up and hiding himself from a society. And right in the middle, look at the very last verse, verse number 21. There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. And right in the midst of all of that turmoil, all of that stuff going on from the wicked, God says in verse number 15, He says, For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy Place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. I want to bring a thought this morning to all of our hearts and pray that God will use it to help all of us on revival, reviving the humble, reviving the humble. I believe we need revival. I believe we need God to revive every one of our hearts that are in this room. I'll broaden it even further than that. I believe all of Hall County needs reviving. I believe America needs revival. We need God to move again in our land. You read the revivals from the old days and you read about when God would sweep through a certain area and bring revival. There was a change made in a populace of people. Saloons would shut down. People, families would be put back together. We need a revival like that again in our land. We need God to sweep through our land and simply be God among us again. And I want to I wanna take this thought of reviving the humble and the the first thing I want us to look at is 
Why do we need reviving? I want to say we need reviving because of the spirit of this age. Have you noticed it seems like there's a demonic spirit that is, that is just rampant in our land today? Not just our land, but around the entire world. It seems like the spirit of Antichrist is just moving and just causing people to follow that subtle way. The Bible does tell us in 1 Timothy 4 verse 1 and 2, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. I just uh, read an article earlier this morning where the Lutheran, the Evangelical Lutheran Church of Iceland has raised eyebrows, the article said, with the Sunday school materials for children depicting a trans Jesus Christ. There's, there's no consciousness anymore. We've lost all our morality there's no respect for God, His Bible, His church, the things of God. There's just, there's just no respect or fear of God anymore worldwide. There's no conscience. It's been seared. Shoot that. Brother, shoot that picture up there on the board for me. I've, I've found something. That was this year. And it said, if Jesus returns, kill him again. You ain't going to kill Jesus another time. And you look up under there, it says, undojesus.org. I went on that website. I looked at it. I read some of the things that they say on there. Their website says, quote, the time has come to abandon Christianity. We need to hold the church accountable for their wrongdoings. We need to reveal and expose the absurdity of the supernatural claims of the scriptures of the Holy Bible. That's their whole motive of existing. They're marching in our streets saying, kill Jesus again. That's what this world's come to. They want the church gone. And one day we're going we're gonna to let them have it. Uh, Jesus is coming back and He's coming back very soon to rapture His church out of this world. And I don't know about you, but today would be fine with me. I'm speaking personally. Today would be a good day just to leave this stuff down here and go to a place where there is no sin. There is no, there is no rebellion. And there is no UndoJesus.org movement. <laughs> the Bible says, the Bible says that in the last days that there's going to be people saying, where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning. They're not the same as they used to be. Not at all. Things are not just like they used to be. I remember a time where kids could run in streets and play around their homes. You can't let your kids out in the streets nowadays. You got to have a leash on them and guard them and got to be packed. Things are not like they used to be. 
Things are wicked. Things are upside down. People have no conscience, no morality. They have no, they have nothing that guides them anymore. God is withdrawn and hiding himself from our society. The Bible says about that passage of Scripture in 2 Peter chapter 3, it says, For this they willingly are ignorant. <laughs> they chose a woman for Supreme Court, college-educated woman, and asked her if she could define what a woman is. And she said no. She's willingly ignorant. She's made herself willingly ignorant. A college-educated woman. Went to school. <laughs> went to all that school. Got a doctorate degree. and Can't even define a woman. Debbie, stand up just a minute real quick. That's a woman. It's, a, it's amazing. It's amazing that this society does not know that. You heard about the preacher who was going to marry this couple and uh, he didn't know what they were. And he said, do you, whatever you are, take whatever this is to become whatever you're trying to be? It's a shame today. I mean, it's It's ridiculous. I saw somebody today, my, one of our, uh, our niece's husband works for Georgia Power. And uh, they just had a big meeting. And they said, whenever you go to any house, you stand several feet from the door. And when somebody answers the door, here's the first question you ask them. How do I address you? If there's a man standing at the door, I'm going to say, sir. If there's a woman standing at the door, I'm going to say, ma'am. I'm not worried about what they think they are. If they don't know what they are, they, I know where they need to be. I, I was hoping I'd get some amens around here. This world's in a mess. Because they do not want Jesus Christ involved in this world. <laughs> According, we, we need revival because the spirit of this age that we're living in. It'll wear you out trying to live in all this mess. Not only do we need revival because that, because of the sliding of God's people. The Bible says in the last days there's going to be a falling away. Has anybody in here had to really battle that spirit trying to get you just to give up? Fall away? It's real. It's real. I hear, I hear that spirit in this, in this world trying to get me just to quit preaching what the book says. And I, do you know one of the reasons why I quit Facebook? 
because of the stupid stuff God's people post on Facebook. <laughs> God's people, supposed to be God's people, what they post. They th God's people don't think nothing of sin anymore. Live in sin, post it. Ain't it going to be something when God, <laughs> when you stand before the Lord and He takes your Facebook page and says, see all this you post? Oh, 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 oh. I tell you what we need a revival of. God's people putting their face back in God's book more than they do Facebook. Mm. Mm. We need revival. And it's got to start at God's people's house. It's got to start where we live. If we don't portray anything better than what the world's got, why are they going to want what we've got? There's a better, 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 far better life to live than what this world's got. Christians drinking. Christians ought not to drink. I, I, I told them Wednesday night, I come from old school. Christians ought not to drink. Christians ought not to cuss. Christians ought to live a different life than what this world is, is living in. We ought to live to where they see something different in us and want what we've got. But the, the Christian, the church, They've just flowed along with the world and just gone along with the world. <laughs> I did st start this by saying, I uh, hope I get some amens. <laughs> See, I knew what I was going to be preaching. <laughs> A new study, and I'm not much for polls or anything like that, but I did read this. A new study just revealed that only 43% of pastors hold a biblical worldview on sin, salvation, and a person's relationship with God. I say we need a revival right here beginning in this pulpit. We need some men of God to get hold of God again and believe what this book says and just preach it as God wrote it. Kind of get a witness right there. It'll begin in the we can't expect the pews to be any different if the pulpit isn't any different. Why pastors, preachers today, all they want to do is speak smooth speeches to the people and just pat them on the head and say, oh, you're the sweetest little thing that there's ever been. And, and we, we live a, a fairy tale life. And especially in America. We just live a life that, well, there's nothing wrong with me. I always need reviving. I always, every day of my life, I need God to touch me and to convict me. And God, please don't take your spirit from me. Oh, God, please don't quit dealing with my heart. Please let the fire of God fall upon me again, Lord. God, I need you. I need you. I need you, Lord. And I'm not belittling this. I'm not. I'm not. Please don't miss 
represent what I'm about to say, but most of our prayer requests now are just physical. When's the last time we had somebody stand up and say, y'all pray for me, I want God. I want more of God in my life. Y'all pray for me, I need more of God. Listen, we don't have to just keep living just the, just the everyday life anymore. There is revival for all of us. Why do we need revival? I'm going to tell you what's killed the churches. Phones. <laughs> uh, I want to tell you, you uh, kids, something. I was raised in a generation. Did you know we didn't have cell phones? <laughs> there really existed a time without them. Really, really, really. I know that that was a million years ago. I know that. But I really lived in that, that age. And the only time I ever talked on a phone was when I was at the house because it had cords hooked to it. And you couldn't go any further than the cord. And we would get 20 foot cords just so we could walk around the kitchen and talk. <laughs> we didn't have cell phones. Y'all remember the first cell phones came out, them bag things for the cars. Oh, what we cool. We never dreamed that it'd get to where we're at. Today. Some children of God can't go through a whole service without looking why the preaching's going on. Uh, I told you I hoped I'd get some amens. We, we can't even, something, the little buzz happened in our pocket, we got to grab it. And the preacher up there, if you don't get right with God, you're going to go to hell. <laughs> Phones have killed this society. You can do everything on a phone now. You can order food. You can order a maid. You can order everything on the phone. You can do anything except one thing. You can't get a hold of God on a phone. <laughs> Who needs revival? I don't even have to ask you. Every person sitting in this room needs God to revive us. We need God to move and change our lives. For His glory and for His honor. What do we need a revival of? Closeness to our Savior again. Revival is all about our relationship with Jesus Christ anyway. Whenever we get to a point where Jesus just isn't foremost in our thoughts and our lives, we need revival. I remember when I first got saved, I'd get up, I'd wake up of a morning... And, and I was a person, I didn't even own a Bible when I got saved. And I went and bought a Bible. And I began reading the Bible and I couldn't get enough of it. I'd come home and after working at the railroad late of a night. And I'd come home, the boys would be in bed. 
And I'd talk with Debbie a bit, and then I'd go and I'd get my Bible, and I'd just sit there and read it. I'd get up in the morning, and the first thing come to my mind when I wake up would be Scripture going through my mind. Scripture just rolling through my mind. I'm going to tell you something. There's, a, there's healing in this book. It'll keep your mind off of other things. We need revival. I'd sure love for my heart to be like it used to be, tender toward Him. Whenever He spoke, I just did. Whenever God moved and said something to me, I just would do it. That's revival. That's when God's working in our hearts again. That's when God will move and do something extraordinary again. I remember Brother Tommy Tillman said this one time. Brother Tommy's already gone on to be with the Lord. He was a great, one of the greatest missionaries I ever met in my lifetime. He was a, he was a missionary to leper people in Thailand. That's where he began. It, 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 that ministry grew so big and, and uh, just faceted and everywhere. But Brother Tommy said this. He said, Brother John, I want to be so close to Jesus that the second advent he has to stop the procession and say, Tommy, Get back on your own horse now. I won't be that close to him. I want to be so close I can hear his heartbeat. I want to be close to him. I want to know him better and bigger. I want to know more of him. I was praying this morning. I said, God, I want to know about your power. I called Brother Joe Chancey yesterday. Deb and I were sitting around the house and I called him. I said, what are you doing, Brother Joe? And he, he just started chuckling. He said, oh, Brother John, he said, me and he called one of the brothers' names. He said, we just got off our knees uh, at the church. He said, we're praying for revival. Praying that God would send revival. That God would move again like we used to see him move. When's the last time we saw a movement of God and sinners just getting saved and their lives changed? Children of God living like children of God again. What do we need a revival of? We need a revival of being close to Jesus again. More about Jesus would I know more of His saving love to show. The way of revival. The title of my message was Reviving the humble. He said, I'll dwell with him who is of a humble spirit and a contrite heart. This world's got a way of beating us all up. And if we're not careful, we'll let all those wounds fester, make us hard, make us calloused, to the things of God. Every one of us in this room knows exactly what I'm talking about. We've all been there. God says, I, I'm there. It's like this. He said, hey, 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 I'm here. But you notice what he said? To revive the heart, the heart, the heart. 
It's inside. It begins inside. It's not something that you'll see outside. All of a sudden, it begins in here. Revive the heart. Listen to it of the humble. The humble. That word humble is the opposite of pride. You know what pride will say? Pride will say, I don't need revival. I, don't, I, I just don't need this. I'm okay like I am. I'm fine. I, ain't nothing going on right now. I, I get a devotion, a couple of different devotions every, every day. And there's one that I particularly like to read. And Brother uh, Paul Chapel is the one who sends it out every day. Any of you get that? That one, you know, it's a good one. It's a good one. It's called Daily in the Word. And I got a devotion earlier this week. And uh, it just really meant something to me. And, and I want to I give you part of what I read. He was talking about Solomon building the temple. And he was talking about how mag- magnificent that temple was. He went on to describe in there that that temple that Solomon built in Jerusalem, it's estimated that he had 34 tons of gold. And they say that that was half, that represented half of the gold that was even mined back in that day. 34 tons of gold in that temple. It was the most beautiful place that had ever been built. Nothing even came near what that temple was. And the Bible and this devotion went on to say that that Solomon, even after they got it built and dedicated it, said that Solomon realized that it just wasn't good enough to house God Almighty. We need to really understand who God is and how holy and how high. He really is. And this is what he said. He said, despite what it cost in money and labor, Solomon realized that it fell far short of what God deserved. Would you agree with me this morning that God deserves? We can honestly say, someone asked us how we're doing, we can honestly say this better than we deserve. We can say that, but not God. He said, in spite of all that they had done and all that they had put into it, it fell far short of what God deserved. Then he went on to say this. He said, but God's willingness to take notice of Solomon's efforts and prayers and attempts to build that temple said God was pleased with it and He came and dwelt with Solomon at that temple. Then he said this, God does not laugh at our efforts to hold us in contempt because we fall short. But instead, he opens his ears and accepts our worship. He said, God's willingness to take notice of our feeble prayers and attempts to praise him are a measure of his grace toward us. And I thought, wow. 
Sometimes I can get to thinking I'm really doing something for God. I can, I, boy, God is really impressed with me. It's not that God's impressed with me. It's just that God is mighty gracious. Being who He is, He's mighty gracious to come and dwell with me. As we stand, I just wanted to bring this thought to you this morning on revival. As we stand across auditorium, since you come on to the piano.